are listening to the Quarter Transmissions or leave episode 29. I couldn't have prescribed better. Hello again. You have once again been granted shore leave. I am Jeff Hewlett, and here alongside me once again is the fabulous Heather Barker. Hi, how are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? Pretty good. Missing everybody already. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've been, back, we've been back for a little while. So this is the 29th episode, by the way, of your Star Trek Convention Community Podcast. This is our first episode after the 2017 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. And we are going to be talking about our thoughts and memories from the con with some friends, answering some listener questions. And uh, here to help us out tonight are some familiar faces, starting with our Gold Key Comics co-host, Mr. Ian Adams. Hello. How are you? New microphone, Ian? Yeah, new microphone. Doing well. Great, great. Safe travels back from the con? Yep. Yeah, it was pretty smooth. Now I'm just uh, chilling at home. And last but not least is our resident Trek food expert, Mr. Adam Drosen. Hello. How are you guys? Wonderful. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Excellent. So let's see. We have a lot to cover here, but you know, before, I think we want to really quick give a shout out to some of our vendors and friends who help support us and our bingo challenge at the convention this year. So really quick shout to the fan sets folks, uh, Danny and Julie over at Shop LAP, Mickey over at Make It So. Good old Larry Nemechek, thank you all so much for your generosity, everyone out there. You can find the links to each of them in our episode show notes and on our website. And please give them all a visit and see what they have to offer. There's some really great stuff out there, some really great new merchandise. Uh, Heather, did I miss anybody in there? No, but Dr. Trek to you. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Trek. Oh, oh, I did miss. I did miss somebody. Another shout out real quick to Bill and Dan over at Trek Geeks, you guys. Oh, Always. indeed. Thank you guys so much for all your support. It was great seeing you guys at the con. Yeah, we're going to talk about them a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, we are. So let's see. We've got, I think we should start off with a roundtable tonight. Everybody, we can go around and talk about some of our favorite memories from the con this year, panels, ops, experiences, whatever else comes to mind. So Heather, why don't you kick us off? I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting down uh, earlier tonight just trying to think about all of my major highlights uh, this year. So I guess my my biggest highlight is that I had no pain, no fibromyalgia wow. the whole week. That's pretty awesome. Um, which is just really, yeah, it is really awesome for me. So that that helped um, make this STLV one of the best that I've ever had. Um, I came home like really heart happy. And usually I come home and I'm like crying on the plane or like crying, waiting to get on the plane. <laughs> so yeah, this year I just, I came home really happy and inspired and, uh, I've been that way for the last, you know, two weeks. And then all of a sudden, uh, yesterday or today I've gotten a little bit of uh, PCD, right? Post-con mm -hmm. depression, but uh, good, good timing to gather here together to talk about everything that happened. Um, I figured we would just kind of break things down. I don't know if we wanted to do things like a day by day or just what our highlights were. What do you guys think? Mine was a blur. I don't know if I can do day by day. I don't remember. Some of them. <laughs> yeah. 
I remember when I woke up each day. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess I'll just talk about like some of my, my highlights. Um, got to the convention and found out shortly after that our dear beloved Jeff had been one of the winners of uh, the elusive Mae Jemison photo and auto ops, which, you know, just as an aside here, I know this was a very controversial subject in the Facebook group, uh, but I'm going to go on the record and say that I think that this was actually a good, a good plan from creation. Um, given that the photo ops were so limited, I think it was totally fair to pick people at random. You know, it's unfortunate that that not everybody was able to get one, but I think that no matter what what they had chosen to do, people would have been upset. Um, what uh, I, I guess I'm not familiar with what the situation was. Was it like some kind of lottery system? Or yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I think that. Well, I mean, I, I can only assume that with her, so she was doing, I think it was a hundred autographs and a hundred photo ops. So it was very limited. Hmm. And just instead of putting them up for sale, they decided to do that lottery. So they were free. Mm-hmm. Like oh, they wow. just gave them away to everybody, which I mean, for creation to give something away mm-hmm. and I unheard of. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, um, Mae Jemison had something to do with that herself. And maybe requesting that they be free. Uh, you know, I think that was, you know, what what other option is there, really? Like, the first hundred people to send an email to creation get a free thing. Regardless, I had no idea that Jeff had won. And so Jeff was gracious enough to pass on um, his ticket to Claire and I. So we went to the panel that morning, which I thought was great, aside from... At the very end, them playing Pretty Woman after Mae Jemison and Nichelle Nichols had been on stage. Mm. Uh, let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but it was a great panel. I was I was so happy that she was there. She really dominated that conversation. Yeah. Uh, it really. I don't even think they needed a moderator. Moderator. Um, it was it was just great to see her. And then. Claire and I uh, went to get in line for the photo op. And so the fun story for me, we were standing there and we could see that they were filming something. And so I just, I knew that like the DS9 people were there filming, but you know, this doesn't have anything to do with DS9. And so I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, And they came over and introduced themselves to Claire and I, and we're like, Oh, hi. Okay. And I noticed as we got, closer in line um they were filming us and so we went up and said hi and did our photo and as we left they asked us if we would sign a release and apparently uh they're from national geographic and uh they're filming a documentary that made jemison is hosting so that was just super cool and random uh and it's just i think a good example of some of the random awesomeness that happens at a star trek convention (laughs) Uh, so thank you, Jeff. Uh, that was just incredibly generous of you. And uh, Claire and I, I wish that Claire could be here. We had some technical difficulties getting her on, but uh, we're both just so, so appreciative because that experience wound up being more than we could have ever hoped for. And I hope that 
everyone uh, who got to meet her had a great time. And, you know, maybe if everyone lets Kreisha know how much we enjoyed seeing her there, they will invite her back in the future. And maybe we'll have another chance at uh, photo and auto ops. That would be super cool. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know. What about you guys? Like, what was one of the highlights that stuck out to you? I had the pleasure of competing against our good friend, host of the Trek Ranks podcast, Mr. Jim Morehouse, in the finals of the Star Trek trivia competition. And I am glad to announce for the first time on the Tricorder Transmissions Network that in the Trek Ranks ranking of trivia uh, competitors, Jim Morehouse is number two. Your boy Dro's number one. <laughs> I took it home big, you guys. Nice. It was epic. And I got to say, I'm not the only, thank you very much, I'm not the only number one uh, trivia competitor on the call tonight. Uh, Mr. Gene Adams is also a champion of trivia. Congratulations to you as well, sir. Oh, yeah, indeed. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I, I was glad that this year, because they had the trivia last year uh, that was run by the um, Wikia people. And that one was just really super buggy, like the software that they were using and the hosts like didn't know, (laughs) you know, that much about Star Trek, it seemed. And this year, everything was just like flawless. Uh, And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun competing. Uh, Heather, you were there in the yeah, audience when I, I was up totally, there. Totally. It was so random. I just, I was like, oh, I'm going to check out trivia. And then you were there. So I was like, oh, Ian, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I heard, heard you scream from uh, way in the back. But, you know, with all the stage lights, I couldn't see where you were. At least you it knew was... it was me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got that super cool bag, too. The bags were cool. Uh, Ian got a cool, like, Spock-style blue medical TOS bag. I got a Klingon Batleth bag, which was pretty sweet. And uh, the thing you guys got to realize about trivia, it's multiple choice, but it's also time-based. You can answer as soon as you got an answer. So I would put in these answers as soon as my neurons would fire. I wouldn't let him finish answering (laughs) the the, – let him asking the question say, what is the name of the pleasure (laughs) – Riza. And um, so (laughs) I was uh, just up there crushing these points as was Ian. And uh, so, yeah, this wasn't just a win for us, too. It was a win for the whole tricorder fam, as I say. That's right. (laughs) Bringing home the gold. So just I think just since we're talking about the CBS all access stage, I didn't get to see a ton of stuff besides trivia going on. Did, Did you guys happen to see any of the programming there? I yeah. saw a couple little pieces here and there. I saw Robert Picardo was up there talking pretty much exclusively about his uh, his science philanthropy with Bill Nye, the science mm-hmm. guy. I think they have a they're the, they're the planetary society is what they're called, and they do a lot of you know work with kids and education and just a lot of good science philanthropy. I don't I don't want to speak any more specifically than that because i only caught a little bit of it but it seems like they're doing a lot of fun stuff really accessible stuff if you're a fan of bill nye from the 90s and i believe he still has a show on pbs and online as well so that was pretty cool i'm trying to think of what else i might have seen on that second stage trivia and they did a lot of photo ops which i think was kind of fun um they would organize like uh, you'd see on the schedule like if you got a deep space nine costume come on by they'd have the klingons and it was just a nice place where you could see people kind of gathering and uh taking pictures and checking out each other's costumes they had a lot of those panels like i said the rob ricardo thing they labeled a lot of them as inside trek where they would interview people like him 
Oh, caught, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and like uh, Andre Bormanis, like people who would have a, I caught a minute of him before trivia, people who had a bigger panel, this would be like a smaller one-on-one panel. Even people I know have been on the show before, like Brooke and Eric, a lot of cosplayers were up there talking about how they do their thing. So a lot of smaller, shorter panels. I want to say some of this stuff was 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes tops. So you're not getting these long, hour-long panels up there, shorter content on that stage. So no Steve Jobs of Star Trek not this year. This no. year. <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Inception panel where it's like the fan who fired the phasers who made a presentation. It's just a presentation of him doing his 2016 panel. <laughs> uh, anything else from the CBS All Access stage? Did they do those, the Iris even Bear DS9 confessionals there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did do those. Okay. I remember hearing a lot of people talking about those. Right. I, I was in there a couple times when people were, were up there and they were all, you know, pretty short and sweet. Yeah, I heard a lot a lot of people talking in the hallways and in other panels about those and how much they enjoyed them. So um, I'm sure many of our listeners were, were at them and can give us some some feedback on, on Facebook. Yeah, I know that Ira was looking for like negative things about DS9. <laughs> It's like there was just so much, you know, positivity going on and everyone wanted to, you know, say great things. And so he was looking for some more critical feedback. And I think he was able to find some of that. But uh, they have since released a little a little clip on uh, their Twitter, I think, which has like all the people that did the, the little interviews, lots of familiar faces, even though I only saw them for like. A millisecond but i'm i'm kind of bummed that i never went did that since ds9 is my favorite but as yeah. we all know there's just so much so much going on that it's it's hard to keep up with with everything uh so so wednesday like was the big discovery day right yeah and yep. it was you know i i think everything kind of came together I don't know that it was last minute. I mean, it, it kind of felt like it, you know, choosing Wednesday is, is tough. I'm glad that I was there Wednesday. I'm glad that people were able to change their plans to get there on Wednesday. But I wish that they had gotten them like on Saturday. And I know that they already had all of this programming planned. And that was probably a big part of it as well. As we say every year, you know, if there's a day that you can miss, it's typically Wednesday, right? Wednesday usually is a half day and there's not a whole lot going on. And then, oh, you know, we ate our words this year because it was Discovery Day. So I made it to one Discovery panel, (laughs) which I was super, the first one, I was super bummed because I was ready to sit there for, you know, four hours but, um, you know, Tuesday night we had uh, the landing party, which is hosted by Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek and Mission Log and a bunch of people that I'm Trek movie. Bye bye, robot. Trying to think of everybody. So that was a lot of fun. I stayed up. I drank too much. And so <laughs> by the time the discovery panels rolled around, I sat through the first one. And so I kind of realized it was with the writers I kind of realized that we we weren't going to learn anything new. Um, you know, at this point, they can only say so much. And while it was really great to to see them there, I was just a little like, okay, well, this is this is awesome, but not necessarily. 
the best thing ever. Oh, and I hate to be negative about something like that because it's discovery. I don't mean to interrupt you, Heather, but I just wanted to let you know that I managed to get on the call. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jordy LaForge came to my pack-led spaceship and helped me figure it out. And I'm glad that you that you popped on to distract me from talking about Discovery. I don't want to sound negative about it, but at the same time... You're right that the... Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree about the writer's panel. The other two panels, though, unfortunately, you left right when yeah. the stuff was good, which yeah. you could that though so yeah this is my lesson to everyone to everyone and we've said this a million times about watch how much you drink so all those people that bought me drinks thank you but i should not have had them because i was just you sit down i was in a dress so i was freezing cold because i'm in the convention center and i just my body started crashing and so i needed i knew i needed to go lay down uh, and I was so, so very bummed because that meant that I missed the actors and then I missed Neville Page and Glenn Hetrick, which I have heard stole the show. So since, since yeah. you guys saw them, why don't you tell us a little bit about those panels? Well, I think, Claire, you and I were the only ones left for that. I think, well, yeah, of our spot, Jeff, I don't know where you were. If you were, maybe you were sitting somewhere else and same Adam, maybe you were sitting in some other seats but no wait adam i think you were there with us i was there i left during the actors panel because claire right. uh, along with you i am not a q a person and it seems that they get worse <laughs> and worse every year and so i conked out during the actors q a and was just kind of just wandering around the showroom after that because i had just gotten straight went straight to the first panel the day i got there so uh take, yeah. take it away give me some deets let me know what you thought well um so my first impression really was that like all the actors on the stage were as enthusiastic about star trek as you'd want them to be especially considering that this was you know, nobody's seen the show yet, and this was, I think, their first acting experience within the whole Star Trek thing. Um, Mary Chifo and Kenneth Mitchell especially seemed really excited about being Klingons, and their excitement yeah. was pretty infectious, I think. Um, and the other two people, Sam and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the names of the other two people who are on the stage. Or the other something two actors. Dutch, like, like Vor something... I thought it was I've heard great. that name anyway, like a million times. Yeah. Yeah. But the, they also were um, enthusiastic and seemed really excited to be not only on Star Trek, but also at the convention. Um, but really, Mary and Kenneth kind of stole the show, especially Mary. Um, yeah, she's great. You know, yeah. That was my impression just listening to all of the actors was that, like, these people get Star Trek. Obviously, you know, a lot of it, a lot of acting is just, you know, showing up, speaking your lines, hitting your marks, not running into the furniture. But with Star Trek, you know, you want the people to be there because they're enthusiastic about Star Trek. And like like you were saying, I definitely got that feeling. And I've, I really felt like like these people get what Star Trek is about and they, they get the sense of um, gravity about yeah. what they're about to be uh, doing. And even if like deep down they couldn't really care less about Star Trek as a franchise. <laughs> they do at the very least seem to understand that when you take a role on Star Trek, it's more than just taking a regular acting job. You're 
sort of choosing to walk through the door into a pretty fervent fandom <laughs> and 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 there yeah there's like extra stuff to taking on a you know featured role in star trek case in yeah, point no. our, our little mini scandal of the week was when jason isaac said in passing it seemed that he doesn't necessarily care about appeasing the hardcore star trek fans because they'll know he'll show up for their show mm-hmm. and people took great umbrage to that they're like how does he you know this and that and like everyone who freaked out it's like yeah you're gonna watch the show he's right you're just upset because yeah. he <laughs> called it out like, and honestly like you know he has experience with harry potter fandom so he oh, probably man. frankly does know what he's talking about in terms yes. of how to deal with a fairly rabid fandom yeah, yeah. and i feel like as yeah. nasty as we get we're just like in the kiddie pool compared to how savage some of the teen girls who are obsessed about <laughs> Harry Potter can be. <laughs> um, okay. So then the, the panel with Neville and Glenn, we got some pretty cool information about the design involved in the Klingons. And do you guys remember like the, the details, like talking about the forehead ridges? Do you remember yeah. enough that yeah. you can share so about that? The- so this is per Neville. Um, anyone who watches Face Off knows, which, by the way, if you don't, you should, uh, knows that Neville is obsessed with function defining form. Yeah. So and, and anatomy defining form. So he basically decided that the forehead ridges on Klingons are an evolutionary consequence of being the apex predators and that the ridges sort of hide or or contain sensory pits the same as a python's they're not nostrils but they look like nostrils uh and so these are a way for the klingons to like sense sort of taste the air and that helps them as predators uh that also explains some of the armor choices in terms of when you would or would not want to cover those pits it also explains why they're bald so this particular house or houses of Klingons have chosen to not impede those sensory pits in any way. So that's why they don't have hair. So cool. Yeah. That's One so of the cool. things that I thought was just insanely clever. Do you, do you remember when, uh, when they, they revealed like the little bit on the armor that yes. was, it, it, it was representative of the ridges, I believe. And, no, uh, it, or what was it? it? So on the, the torchbearer suit, which is the, the huge 3D printed armor that's also a, a pressure suit. It There's a spot on the outside of the legs where it does look like the Klingon head ridges from afar, but then when you zoom in on it, you actually see that it's a figure, a Klingon figure falling oh, that's backwards right. with its arms outstretched. And it symbolizes sort of willingly submitting to battle. But when you also look at it, you see that it's an abstract form of the Klingon um, symbol. The, right, like the triangle you know, thing. Yeah, which is like, so So Neville is saying <laughs> yeah. this, the audience is silent, and then there's like about two or three seconds later, I, I audibly went, oh, and I heard a bunch <laughs> of other audience around me go, oh, at the same time, because I'm just like, wait, what? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so clever. Those guys just. Yeah. And Neville was it. like, this was not something the writers asked us to do. He's like, honestly, the writers may never acknowledge that detail, that detail so it might never actually be important, but for him and Glenn, when they were designing things, they, yeah, they wanted it to look cool, but they wanted every cool thing to have a purpose and a reason behind it. 
Yeah. So awesome. Boy, did it look cool. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was really, really great. I think that, that Neville and Glenn's panel was like one of the most popular panels from what I've heard and, and some real information uh, to share with us that was, that was new and just really awesome to hear. And then they revealed um, the new character whose name is Cole and he is of the House of Core, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, isn't right. Kenneth Mitchell playing Cole? Correct. So they, he wasn't a new character, but I think the revolution, revelation was that he was of the House of Core. That was definitely. And they, I think at that point, they hadn't yet revealed what he looked like. And so oh, okay. that's when we oh. got that poster. Like, I oh, think yeah. at one point we were all like walking through, watching them hang up all the CBS yeah. All Access Discovery yeah. posters around that main Delta shield, which was just so, it was so very cool to have that presence there. And I think that discovery has really, that is a big part of what made this STOV really special, uh, was, was having that presence. And so I'm so, so glad that it was there because I try to imagine, (laughs) try to imagine this year without having had that. And it just makes me really sad. So Yeah. Uh, and it really did not cool. feel like an afterthought, I will say. No, they, yeah, felt, no. It didn't feel like, oh, we'll just like toss the sort of scraps of Comic-Con at these yeah. people. No, it didn't feel like at that all. at all. Even, even if it did seem to like come together at the last minute and they surprised us with all the information, I definitely saw the, the care that was put into it. Uh, and and it was just phenomenal. Um, I, I don't think that any of us stayed around for the comics, the graphic novel panel. Yeah, I did. Was, I did. Yeah, the last I got, one. I did, I did catch some of that. That was pretty good. Um, again, they really talked too much. I think that their idea is that there's going to be like mini series for these comics. And then the first mini arc of however many issues is going to be about the Klingons and focusing on Cole's character. So they they revealed a uh cover the first cover with him on right. it and it looked it looked a lot like that picture that um yeah. they revealed of him that first picture so it kind of was like a graphic comic representation of that one that was cool um they talked a little bit about the novel and how it kind of fills in a little bit of backstory again they didn't really reveal too much they showed the cover which was okay it didn't it was a picture of burnham with her back to the the camera right. and oh, looking over right. her shoulder yeah just this very, is very david basic. it's david, david max david book he, that yeah. Come out. Yeah. yeah he he wrote the book yeah and he's good he's written he's written a couple books yeah. that i don't i don't really yeah. read a ton of i i say he's written a couple books he's written a lot of the books a i've lot. read yeah. only a handful of them but the ones that i have read that he's done are very good and uh so they revealed the cover of that and he's talking about what he did and Kirsten Beyer, who was on the writer's panel earlier as a staff writer on the show proper is got her start writing the Voyager novels. So she's also serving as sort of an intermediary between the writing staff of the show and the writers like David Mack and presumably um, Dayton Ward and the rest of the authors that uh, write a lot of everyone's favorite Trek books. She's going to sort of work as the in-between because she knows both worlds so well, which I think is very interesting. That's not something we've seen in Trek before. Yeah, I think I need to start reading more Star Trek books. Yeah, for sure. Well, there are about a million of them. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. That's what I'm like. <laughs> I have a 10 books on my shelf waiting to be read. So one of the things that I just want to mention uh, that was even more amazing, like aside from just having this discovery presence, was the fact that 
pretty much everyone who was on those panels was in the vendor's room, was at the convention, if not for the entire weekend, um, for several days, taking photos with fans. I mean, these are the actors, the writers, um, you know, Neville Page and Glenn Hedrick. They were all all there among us, um, just being available to us. And I unfortunately did not get a picture with any of them, but I've enjoyed seeing all of the photos from our friends. Uh, just such a, such a generous group of people. I mean, you know, yeah. nothing against the rest of the actors, but it's just, I mean, yeah, you know, you, you get a photo with Bob Cardo in the vendor's room, or you may see someone in the hallway and get a quick photo op. But I mean, they were all just like present and there and accessible to everyone. And that's not something that we've had before um, or that I've had before at a convention. And and for that to be how we're being introduced to discovery is just, it's just so special. Yeah. Yeah. Very Chifo, especially like, she sort of stepped like she's like entered the same level now almost as Terry Farrell in terms of being this like real positive, like rah rah star Star Trek cheerleader almost in terms of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, helping uh, hosting things. And I don't know, like Terry Farrell just sort of in the last couple of years, I don't know, maybe she did it before, but the last few years, especially that I've noticed, she's been like. Let me moderate panels. Let me give sort of extra time in terms of judging the costume contest and judging the Guinness Book of World Records thing or whatever that was. They should have like let Mary... her moderate the TNG panel. I mean, she yeah, she yeah. was supposed to. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but like Mary, Mary, Mary Chifo said she wanted to become fluent in Klingon. Like, how cool is that? Um, yeah. Especially again, uh, I, I don't, I don't recall her saying that she has she was like a lifelong Trekkie where this is some sort of dream role. It sounds like she came to this fairly sort of neutral in terms of Star Trek and her Star Trek knowledge. Uh, but the fact that she's like, so jumped into this role and, and like, who, who wants to be cl- fluent in Klingon? Like most Trekkies <laughs> don't even go that far. Right. Mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And speaking of Klingon, that was another thing that they revealed during the, I believe it was the actors panel might've been the writers panel. Uh, was that they have like a professional Klingon language expert on the staff that mm-hmm. translates stuff into Klingon for them. Well, yeah, into and, and out she, of Klingon. She tweets from some pretty cool stuff. I don't remember her name or her Twitter handle, but um, Neither at the moment. she's just like this random woman who lives in Canada who's got, you know, a day job who just also happens to be the preeminent you know, between like other than Mark Okrens, she's basically the preeminent Klingon scholar, Klingon right. language scholar. And you guys, yeah. quick side note: I, uh, full disclosure, I do work at Paramount Pictures. I've said on the podcast before. I happen to be walking past Mr. Kiva Goldsman's office right now. I can see in the window. He's, <laughs> this dude's got a Voyager novel on his desk. People, this is firsthand <laughs> info. I'm looking at it with yes. my eyes. This is a uh, shore leave exclusive. There you go. He's <laughs> that's, a that's pretty awesome. Actually. That's awesome. I didn't realize right. much of a Trekkie as he is. I, I had no idea, but he, I learned that in the writing panel. <laughs> yeah. Since we're still talking about discovery, um, I just, I figured we would just go ahead and talk about um, the props and yeah, the sure. captain's yeah. chair. Yeah. So I, 
I waited. There was a line. There was quite a line uh, when it opened. And so I, I had to keep an eye on it and wait until uh, the line calmed down. But I I don't know what I was expecting, but it was so like accessible and awesome. I, I just I guess I thought, oh, everything's going to be behind glass or you won't be able to be very close to it. And I mean, you could reach out and touch everything if you wanted to. Not that I would have recommended that, but right. yeah. kudos to creation too, by the way, for the way they handled that exhibit, letting in only a certain amount of people at a time so that it wasn't overcrowded and you could really yeah. get a good look at everything and take your time walking through it. I, I had a really good, I waited until the last day because the lines were really long. Just like Heather said, every time I went by there, the lines were egregious. And finally the last day it was, it was relatively short. So I went in and I got a good long look at everything and got a lot of take a lot of pictures and uh, everything was just amazing. And I mean, of course my favorites were the, uh, the phasers, the tricorder and the communicator. Yeah, um, those are great. Those were just amazing to see. I was so looking forward to seeing how they merged the styles uh, between the, the two time periods and uh, such, such great detail. And the co- I can't even begin to talk about the costumes. I'm sure you guys have plenty to say. Yeah, well, so uh, the Neville Page and Glenn Hetrick panel, they talked a lot about how what they wanted for – they were specifically talking about the Klingon stuff, but I'm sure that they carry this attitude for – all the rest of the costumes and everything uh, was that like the armor should look like, you know, like, like uh, something you'd see from the Byzantine empire in a museum, you know, or, or something like that. Like, and when you see it up close, you see that detail that they were talking about. Like you remember the helmet uh, and, and it just had all these, you know, little triangle patterns all throughout it that, that, really made it seem like a museum piece, even though like a lot of it was 3D printed, I guess. I also, speaking of 3D printing, that was something uh, Claire and I were talking about during the panel was how great it is that they're embracing that technology. I I think the way you put it was uh, that it would have been so easy for them to just be on the side of like, no, let's do things traditionally and screw new technology. Yeah, I think they could see it as not necessarily Glenn and Neville specifically, but the whole effects industry, the practical makeup effects right. industry could see 3D printing as a threat in terms of making the traditional sort of hand sculpting and and the the physical real as you know artistic aspect of it as a threat to that. Just like ah, 3D print this stuff out. You don't need people to sit and make molds of clay right. sculptures anymore. But instead, they're really bridging the two and um they were talking about the makeup like for saru for example they did a lot of computer modeling to you know they ran multiple versions of his makeup in the computer and did these 3d models until they figured out exactly what his final makeup should look like and then they 3d printed a physical full-size bust of the saru makeup so that the person who was going to then sculpt it you know, in real life and then run the synthetic or the um, um, silicon prosthetic that was obviously going to be born had this like three dimensional bust they could sculpt from. So they're really using this new technology to improve the way the sort of old school work is done instead of supplanting it or like seeing, I don't know, like they just had this really great sort of holistic approach of let's integrate this new technology and take the most advantage of it that we can instead of pushing it away as sort of 
not the way that it's always been done. Right. Like being crotchety old men or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and I really, I really, really appreciate that they take that attitude towards it. There's something about, I think everyone here can agree that 3d printing is freaking awesome. Right? <laughs> uh, and just the, the, the idea that they're able to do more with that is just cool. You know, I just loved the work that they did on, on those Klingon costumes. Uh, that space suit was pretty great. It was, you know, the Starfleet one, yeah. just the, the detail of, of all those were, were really great. I didn't actually get my photo taken in the captain's chair there. Hello. Um, that, that was actually just by choice. I didn't want to wait in the line inside the room. I wanted to just, you know, browse around, but I think all of you did. Yeah, uh, I think I think that of when talking, you know, speaking about detail, like the least detailed thing in the room yeah. was the chair. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but I will say that uh, the the guy they had doing the photography, I was really impressed because he he actually you know directed people on how to sit. He's like, you know, you're the captain. How does the captain sit? <laughs> and and uh, just you know, and it kind of helps people so that they would be able to take a really great picture. Uh, and I mean, that picture was free and emailed to you within minutes. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, I I had on space space overalls that day so i was crazy looking but uh I, my little rainbow triple from roddenberry booth happened to match and so i like struck pose and i love my picture it's it's that was like the best free thing i got uh it was a lot of fun so many people did it and now the majority of my social media uh you know profile pictures are people sitting in the discovery captain's chair yeah, I know. I, I never posted mine because they e when they emailed it to you, it was like embedded in the email and not in a way that you could save as a mm. Yeah, so I I need I to I actually issues. haven't looked at the email on my desktop yet, so I need to do that. But mobile, it's not savable. And I know it's not just me being an idiot. Other people no. have this. Yeah. I had those <laughs> issues because they took they did they took four photos of me and they sent me four emails. Oh. But it was all like the same one. And when I would go to save it, it would flip between the different ones and then save the wrong picture. Huh. So uh, the technology there was not quite up to par. But uh, eventually I got it figured out. So I hope that, that you're able to do that. Uh, and just I just haven't tried. I, I went, I was like the le literally the last person they let in one of the days. Um, even though it was like 5.30 and I know they were closing the room at 6, I guess they just smartly wanted to cut people off, you know, a little bit beforehand. I didn't realize that. And the lady like reluctantly let me in. <laughs> like, okay. So when I, when I got my picture taken, the guy didn't, he didn't rush me, but he certainly did not direct me or take. Oh, bummer. Yeah, That's okay. Um, yeah, the, so I, I really don't want this to sound ungrateful because it's not, but I will say that captain's chair is pretty plain. <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad thing. And I do know that um, there's two two panels that are inset, one in each hand armrest, and those were not turned on. And I've heard that uh, they were turned on at Comic-Con. And so I guess that kind of adds some excitement to the chair when they're on. So, some, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I've I've sat in the Enterprise D captain's chair, the original series captain's chair, and now this 
Discovery Captain's Chair. And the Discovery Captain's Chair is definitely the least interesting of the two. And then, like, thinking about the Enterprise Captain's Chair, which I haven't sat in, but it there's it visually is a more interesting chair. I don't know. This was just, like, a chair. <laughs> 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 but maybe it's because I haven't seen the chair in action. You know, like, maybe once yeah. I see the show and I see, like, heroic captains sitting in a chair and all that stuff. It's surrounded by I might feel differently about it. Too. Yeah. 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 That was a, the fun thing about the TOS chair. And with, I mean, there was the one at Roddenberry stage last year, but yeah. then you could go and sit on the bridge and definitely yeah. very fun, more, more fun to sit on the bridge than to just sit on the chair by itself. But yeah. uh, overall, super popular. And again, it was just really, really awesome to be able to see all of those props and costumes. I cannot wait to see them on screen. In a yeah, month, really, less than a I month. I really appreciated how close we could get. And yeah. I mean, thankfully, nobody did this. I mean, they were like, you could have grabbed them and run away with the glass. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they were like, yeah. they were like a foot away from you. And yeah. there were a few things in glass cases, but a major that was just the props. Yeah. But, I mean, somebody so easily could have grabbed that bat left and stolen it. I'm, that's yeah. all. Yeah. Like, and the Dictog and just all the costumes. If you, I don't know how heavy some of the Klingon costumes were, but if you can lift them, you could have run away. <laughs> like they were, I mean, people could have messed with them and I don't think anyone did. And I'm glad that no one did. Yeah. Like CBS and creation kind of took a risk with that. And I'm really glad they did it because it yeah. made an awesome experience. And also looking at other costumes and props, cause they had some TNG costumes and props in another room. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of older Star Trek props, you know, when you see them in person, you can tell that they're just props. Like yeah. this is no yeah. slight to the production department at all, but they're not meant to be stared at, you know, up close by, uh, for long periods of time. They're meant to be seen on TV and yeah. in a quick scene, you know, um, like, like a, like a 21 inch CRT. Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah. They're not meant to be scrutinized. Uh, but these discovery props, you know, they didn't look like props. They didn't have that kind of plasticky Star Trek yeah. prop appearance to them. They looked like real hefty functional objects that had weight and that were made of whatever the materials were that they were supposed to be made of, not that they were kind of put together by a prop department. Yeah. They seem more cinema quality no props. Slight, yeah, exactly. No slight to prop departments. You, I mean, I love, I, I, I love props. But these were really impressive looking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they even they even talked about that in the panel, uh, the Neville Page and Glenn Hedrick panel, where uh, they were talking about the fact that, you know, these things are going to be seen on like 60 inch screens, you know, 4K screens, 5K screens. And, and they even made a joke. I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was they were like, and you guys, we know you're just going to like pause it and pour over every frame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they talked about like using 3D printed metal. So, yeah. uh, you know, to make certain items and, you know, um, yeah, I just I was really excited by the quality of the props and the costumes. Awesome. So, so Claire, since you brought it up, uh, the, the little TNG room, the TNG 30 
uh, yes. I guess we'll call it presentation with all of the photos, which were amazing. And then 10 forward was in there along with some props. Uh, I think we spent a solid like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I actually went in there again on yeah. Sunday, uh, before I left, I went in there one more time. So did anybody else get a chance to go in there? And what did you guys think? I poked in there for a little while. It was really, really, really cool. I thought the ambiance that they had in there was really nice. It kind of, at first when I looked in the room from outside, I was like, I don't, doesn't really feel very 10 forward to me. But once I got in there and got up closer and got in there, it was really, really nice. I, I missed getting a picture in there though, unfortunately. Yeah, I missed the 10 forward altogether. Just for some reason, I never made it in there. But I remember standing in line for the discovery room and you're, you know, you get to, to look through the door into 10 forward uh, <laughs> yeah. for an extended period of time. Cause that's how long you're in line. And uh, it looked really nice. They had some good yeah, stuff in to, there. Yeah, they did. And I have to say both with 10 forward and with the original series bridge, um, I don't really know how they do it, but somehow they manage to get perfect lighting of those exactly, sets. Yep. Even, even though we're in this like, some sort of sub ballroom at a right. Las Vegas casino convention area. Like the lighting should be harsh and terrible, but they managed somehow to make it work. And for both of those sets, the lighting was really good. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's the feeling that I got once I got inside and I got up closer to 10 form. Like it really has that ambiance. The lighting was just yeah. right. Like what you would see on the screen. Yeah. My, my favorite prop in the display case was the artifact from the episode Chase that Picard's oh, yeah. mentor gives him. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and it was closed. It's like a, it's almost like a Russian nesting doll kind of thing, but it was closed up. Yeah. And I felt like Picard in the episode where he looks at them, he's like, is it the complete set? And I wanted it to be open so I could see all the inside. Well, I, you know, I mean, I guess Picard didn't really care about that, you know, as we saw in Generations, when they go back to the bridge and he's just like, oh, yeah, this ancient thing, Chuck. And he's like, ah, oh, good, the photo album. <laughs> and then Riker's like, didn't you have a fish or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So overall, I think uh, I thought that was really cool. I I I like that they had the 10 forward. and I like that that room was pretty chill for the most part. So that you know that exhibit and the TOS bridge were nice places to go and just kind of hang out for a little bit if you needed to get away from the craziness yeah. of the convention uh and I hope that they make a coffee table book I know that Claire agrees with me because we talked about this but yes. uh yeah we, all we of, talked to the Roddenberry guys about it actually yeah so. and so now they know they know that two people will buy the book so they're definitely gonna make it <laughs> uh, the, so just a book like a coffee table book of all of those images that were in the tng 30 exhibit and more because uh, i mean i'm sure they've got more in the nice. archives yeah um, to, to anyone who didn't get to see that or didn't go to the convention the pictures in the tn the the 10 forward exhibit were these really awesome curated black and white like kodak i mean they they the way they printed them they you know sort of kept the the negative framing around it so you could tell that it was like you know a, a real camera took these pictures but they were all behind the scenes shots uh a lot of them are like costume continuity shots or they were just the actors sort of goofing around and there were it's like a whole bunch of shots from the first dixon hill of uh, the big goodbye 
where, mm-hmm. you know, oh, nice. Kate McFadden was just like working the noir vixen femme fatale <laughs> angle, like for all it was worth. And she looked amazing. You know, it was this really, really cool photographs that I'd never seen before. They weren't the kind of standard stuff that we've all seen a thousand times. Um, yeah. Really great stuff. So that's why I, I want to see more of it. <laughs> yeah. For sure. They were really cool. And I think for the most part, like the rest of the the convention thing, well, convention things. So they had the the Guardian as usual and the yeah. Transporter, um, Borg the Borg Regeneration Chamber. So really yeah. all the same stuff there. They did have someone taking photos at the, trans, um, the Transporter where they would have you like beaming up. I yeah, know that, that uh, yeah, Desiree, I know a lot of people did those, but Desiree did one and hers is really cute because she did it when she was wearing her vintage Trekkies dress. And uh, it's like one of my favorite ones. So that was cool. It was like 20 bucks. So pretty inexpensive to get that done. Uh, and then the little gem I just have to point out because I didn't find it until Sunday was they had a little photo booth that you could just go in and like put on. They had little props for you to use, but you would go in and you take like three photos and it's free and you get, you know, two little photo strips. And apparently it was only there for a, a limited amount of time each day, which is probably why I never saw it. It was, yeah. uh, I walked past it several too. times. I walked past it several times. It was kind of outside the vendor's room, but yep. I didn't, yep. I didn't go into it. Yeah. If I, I had didn't... known that it was there, I would have taken like a bunch of it. All of you would have gone into the booth with me. <laughs> yeah, the yeah that's the agony said. booth. The ag- we would have yeah, gone right. into the agony. They should have. If they had just built it as the agony booth, that thing would have been super popular. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was that was a lot of fun, and uh, so I, I'm going to let Creation know. I I did. I posted in their group uh, to please have it again next year because yeah, had I known, had I noticed it, I would have gone every day. And there were people that went every day. And so I'm super envious uh, that they got to have that fun. But, uh, yeah, just thinking about, you know, around the convention, I, I think that kind of covers all the new stuff that was there this year. Am I missing anything? No, I think. What should we talk about next, guys? Well, what about talking about a little bit of our uh, some of our favorite panel memories? I know we all have different tastes in panels. And I know we some of us went to some and some of us went to another for me, I think my favorite panel, as weird as this is going to sound, was the Elcars panel. I really that had a great time really with the Elcars panel. <laughs> I mean, as a guy who studied graphic design, um, just hearing Mike Okuda talk about the development of Elcars and seeing some of his his sketch work and the evolution of it and how they created different interfaces for different things, it just it to me it was almost like a revelation it was i found it really really inspiring and i came back here i had jotted down a bunch of my own ideas while i was listening to that and i have a whole bunch of ideas of things that i want to do now but i claire you were in there too i was yeah and i i was actually really glad that he and denise both kind of touched upon the fact that you know at the time l cars and the idea of touchscreens were very new. Mm-hmm. And I know that touch, touchscreen technology did exist, but it was in very limited usage. And I, they didn't, like, I distinctly remember as a kid watching Next Generation and, ha- and hearing people say, there's no way that you would ever be able to use touchscreens like that. <laughs> and it's so yeah. widely because people aren't going to know if they've hit the button or which button they've hit that, mm-hmm. that 
tactile haptic kind of necessity wouldn't be there. So you'd have people just, it would be a disaster. It would never work. People won't know what they're doing. And obviously that's not true, but at the time we didn't really know that. I mean, like, you know, we couldn't know until we knew that it would be fine. Um, but some people did ask questions about basically like, Hey, Mike Okuda, how do you feel about essentially predicting touchscreen technology? And he was, <laughs> he was of course, extremely humble about it. And he was like, well, that's not really what I did. And I wasn't, he, he's like, that's not necessarily what I expected us to develop into. It's just that I was on a budget and, <laughs> uh, smoked plexiglass was a whole lot cheaper than physical buttons. And so that's what we went with. Um, so real, which is, a neat way to look at it. And, and, you know, yeah, he just went with what was, it was futuristic and sleek, but it was also cheap <laughs> to produce. Yeah. I loved it. There was one point he made early on about, um, being confused. This was something I was always confused by, uh, in, in the motion picture, the round screens, mm-hmm. on oh, yeah. which is square project or rectangular projections on them and not understanding why they went with round screens. Yeah. And kind of applying that knowledge to future designs. was pretty interesting. Yeah, didn't didn't he also mention something about uh, the um, a, a lot of the kind of animations that would be on the L cars panels would be those uh, I forget what he called them, but they're like those kind of things you would see a lot in bars where you'd have like a waterfall painting or something oh, right. that was lit up, yeah. oh, and there'd yeah. be like a little wheel inside that would turn they're around like, with lights. Yeah, they're like films with color wheels inside of them. Right, yeah. and. Uh, there's something about that that just tickles me. <laughs> yeah, and that whenever they want, if if they ever did need to do actual video screen, like video projection, where because the camera was going to be really close, and they actually needed some sort of filmed, pre-made L cars effect, that that was always super expensive, and it was Denise's job to uh, keep track of all of that. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good amazing. stuff. What about other panels, you guys? Ian, Claire, Adam, haven't heard from you in a while. Well, I'll tell you, I got a controversial statement here. Uh, red light flashing emoji. <laughs> I was not planning on going to the TNG panel, but our everyone's favorite host, Scott Mance, got, uh, got me in. Uh, we actually got to go in early, and it was kind of cool to run around the big empty theater without anybody there and take pictures <laughs> on the stage. It was pretty wild. Um, but... I, I, I gotta say, I, if I paid $30 for that, I would be very upset and let me know in the comments when you guys hear this and you're on uh, unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Facebook group, if you paid for that panel, and you thought you got your money's worth. I would be fascinated to hear why, because they get up there and immediately Marina Sirtis takes the mic and is just like, listen, she was very she i'll be honest you know i love her to pieces she did not seem sober and she is just like we no i'll tell you <laughs> she did not seem sober and she was like they were we, they we said we didn't want a moderator and we're just gonna go like what, whatever you want to ask us just go so it was 80 minutes of basically of unstructured q a so for mm. some people that's no. you know cool but <laughs> no i mean just no i mean thankfully Everyone, everyone on that stage was an absolute professional. We did get some nuggets, but it was, to put it mildly, I thought it was a mess. And um, I think if Jonathan Freaks was there, I think the energy would be a lot different. And I think that 
there was just no ringleader. And I mean, Patrick Stewart's not going to be that guy. There was no one on stage who's going to be that guy. I think Freaks is the closest you would have gotten. And it was just, if I could have left, I would have, and I didn't even pay for it. So that's, you know, that was disappointing to me, but I love all those actors and it was cool to see them together 30 years later. I'm actually really glad to hear that experience from you. Not glad that you had to sit through it, but like, so I did not go to that panel. I forgot to buy a ticket and then I was just going to buy one there. And when I found out that Jonathan Frakes really was not going to be there because there was sort of this like back and forth, Willie won't, Willie won't he? Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to. And then when I found out that that's what it was like, I'm really glad I didn't spend the money because it's a long 90 minutes, two hours. And then I saw how many people were in line. There must have been yeah, thousands of people. I, the longest line I've ever seen. Yeah, not Jeff just and I. At, wide. I mean, we it was like Masquerade. Right, that was where we joined the line. At Masquerade was the end of the line. I was like oh. the only person walking the opposite direction because it was nah. a panel that I got out of ended at 6.15, I think. So, and I think people started lining up at 5.30 or 6 or something. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, the I, I, I felt like I was the, the luckiest person in the world not having to stand in that line. Yeah. <laughs> and then and finding we, out the panel was sort of not my ideal panel. I'm not a huge fan of audience questions. I, although I will say, overall, this year, most of the audience questions were really good. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that we had dinner and didn't have to wait yeah. to sit down. Totally, uh, that's what Claire and I were doing while yeah, that was we going on. Yeah, like, <laughs> nobody's gonna be at the American Bar and Grill. This is like the only time during the entire convention that there will not be a line there. So let's go. And there was not a line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that you know it was just a really unfortunate series of events. The, you know, the, the panel to begin with, I, from what I can assume, I guess, I think that the, the actors had a lot of say in how this panel was handled. And, you know, my understanding was that it, it wasn't creation's decision to make it a separate panel in the evening. And it sounds like at this point, it, it wasn't, it was up to the actors to decide they didn't want a moderator is what I gathered from from what you guys they, said earlier. They must have decided at the very last minute or for some reason, Terry Farrell was unavailable at the very last minute because it was printed in the, the program yeah. that she yeah. was moderate. So this was like a, up to the last minute, it was going to be a moderated panel. Yeah. Which, you know, is, is kind of sad. And, and, you know, whatever happened with Jonathan Frakes, it, it sounded like, you know, flight delays and missing flights and whatnot. And so he didn't show up and, and yeah, it's, it's a huge disappointment. And I, I don't have like an answer to give everybody something to say to, to make it better. Uh, stuff happens Yep. and yeah. you really have to go with the flow. And I mean, it could have been Anyone whose flight got delayed and who didn't make it or anyone who had work come up. And there were a lot of cancellations aside from Jonathan Frakes. There were just there were a lot of cancellations at the last minute this year, including, you know, a headliner. Uh, Ron Perlman was yeah. he was in the the, the Star Trek magazine uh, article about STLV. They're like, oh, yeah, Ron Perlman's going to be there. I mean, he was he was the big name and then he canceled, you know, weeks in advance. And 
Yeah, I David Warner was another one. Job, though. Any, yeah. Anytime they cancel for like, sorry, I've got a, a job to do, I kind of feel like I can't really blame people for that. Right. Although I can right. understand why, why someone's disappointed about it. They're you know, just like you and me. They have jobs. Yeah. And, you know, I could have asked for the week off and and my boss said no. I mean, that that happens. Um, I'm I'm glad that all of these actors are still working. And yeah. so while it's it is disappointing that they don't show up and especially like for the the group photo, I know that was a big letdown, too. But I, I think we just have to understand that, you know, this is life. They have jobs. We're all human beings and and make the best of it. I think, Jeff, we had someone in the group. I don't remember who it was. Maybe Belinda, uh, someone that mentioned like they they brought a picture of Jonathan yeah. Frakes to their photo. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm, I'm sorry that I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, and yeah, the, the cast. Privet, yeah. OK, yay, got it. Yay. Thanks, Belinda. Uh, that was just, you know, that's a super fun thing to do and a way to make you know, an unfortunate, an unfortunate circumstance, a really fun, fun adventure. I don't know. Yeah. I just, you, you have to do what you can to make it positive. And, you know, overall, I didn't get to see that panel. So <laughs> I'm glad that we enjoyed our burger and fries. And, uh, I, I encourage everybody, you know, just to, to give creation your feedback and, and keep in mind that in in the case of the TNG panel, it may not have been entirely up to creation, but, you know, feedback is always a good thing. And maybe that feedback can get passed along and they can come up with a better, a better option for next year. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting too. So of, of the TNG cast, um, the only people that I saw in a separate panel were LeVar Burton and Brent Spiner. And I think originally oh, they were going to also too. have, yeah, they were also going to have Jonathan Frakes there as well, I believe, but obviously he didn't make it. Um, I've seen both of them several times in the past at different conventions, including STLV. And they were both as entertaining and charming and engaging as ever, which is great, which kind of made me, it kind of underlined to me how maybe not necessary that big two hour panel was. I mean, I don't know. The fact that they were all willing and and able to kind of go out and do their normal panel shtick, <laughs> kind of, I don't know, like which and and that was included in the cost of admission for the regular panel and or for the regular convention. I don't know. It just sort of like uh, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that they continued to do their regular panels and that they, you know, were present for them and didn't seem like they were phoning it in or anything. I don't know. It just sort of made me wonder, like, what are people getting out of the evening panel that they're not going to just get from the regular ones. I don't know. Yeah. And if we had had, yeah, if we had had a moderator, uh, I can only imagine right. that it would have been much better content. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been happy with a big Q and a either. I would have left the uh, having a moderator and having the whole cast there might've made it like, guess what? Here's it's like, like a new, like a special feature sort of, uh, type content, you know, this, these, special features on the DVDs or the Blu-rays where it's this like hour or hour and a half sort of sit down with everyone where they're telling stories that aren't the same stories we've heard before, uh -huh. or, you know, you're getting something, yeah. some special new angle out of it. Uh, and I'm sorry, like just to, there, there's a difference between a, a moderator and a good moderator, but when you have no moderator there, it's just like, yeah. I've started, it's like, well, 
look at my watch. Here we go. It hasn't even started yet. Yeah. So that was that was yeah. disappointing. It but definitely to, meandered uh, around an awful lot, and I felt like they kept they would get a question and then go off on a lot of different tangents, and there was really yeah. very little organization and nothing to really bring them back to center. Mm. I found I I hate to say it, but I found up wound up looking at my watch too a few times during it. There were some really good bits in there too. This it wasn't all negative. I don't want it to sound like it, it was all terrible. There were some really good bits. But I think as it dragged on a lot longer, especially towards the middle to the end, I, I think it really kind of went off the rails. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I, I enjoyed the panel. Um overall, but yeah, it, I did too. It it did seem like why are we paying for this? This is yeah. basically <laughs> just a money grab because right. you know you can get away with it. Like I, I, I do resent that they charged for it. Yeah. Well, I, I say this and um, like I said, and I'm just going to emphasize it because I don't think that this was entirely creation's decision or entirely under their control. Yeah. Um, I think that they did what they could to, you know, they went from saying everyone was going to have to pay to basically paying for gold captain's chair and the other one that I always forget Copper? what it's called. Copper. Copper. I want to call it commander, which is wrong. Uh, that one but... makes way more sense, though. Like, what does <laughs> yeah. Copper have to yeah. do with it? And I think that they had a commander one year and, you know, that's it. Anyway, um, they did wind up paying for giving away a, a large number of tickets and, you know, what the real story is, we may never know. But um, I, you know, again, I think that the most constructive thing we can do with our criticism is to contact creation. It's like customer.service at creationent.com uh, and let them know because they don't listen to us. <laughs> they should, but they don't. Uh, they, they don't really follow our group as far as we're aware. Uh, so I try to post in their official group on Facebook and then try to, you know, just give them feedback. And I think it's also important when you give feedback to approach it um, not from a negative, disgruntled, I hate creation attitude, but um, perhaps with some suggestions on how they could improve because people seem to be more responsive to, to constructive criticism, basically. And I've seen creation respond to it over the years, uh, not to everything, but they, they do listen to some of it. So uh, I think that that's really just the, the best thing we can do is to let them know how we feel. And, you know, maybe next time if the TNG cast says they want their their panel paid for, that uh, creation will say no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but OK, so. I don't know. Do we have any more panels that we want to talk about? I personally only made it to Mae Jemison's panel, uh, the Women in Trek panel, which was phenomenal once again, and then the Mission Log panel, uh, which everyone can listen to uh, online now. They've released that episode. So aside from that one Discovery panel, I made it to a whopping four panels this Wasn't year. Wasn't this supposed to be like the year of panels for you? Yes. It was okay. supposed to be... <laughs> Yeah, it was supposed to be the year of panels, and uh, I did do the crash and burn on Wednesday and Thursday. It it took me some time to acclimate, uh, you know, to staying up until ungodly hours, and um, I I don't drink a lot at home, so when I have 
all of my wonderful friends offering to buy me drinks. And I'm like, yes, of course, you know, you drink a little more than you realize. And, uh, then you need a three-hour nap the next day. So, well, no, no judgment for me because there was one day that I spent the whole afternoon in our room. So, <laughs> I don't yeah. remember. I think it was Thursday, Friday, maybe. Yeah. I don't. I, I um, definitely took like a four-hour break from the convention and reality. To be completely honest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm going <laughs> to throw out another controversial statement here. I want to preface this by saying I love STLV. This is my fifth year. It's the best. All the people on this podcast are the best. Here you go. Five days is too much for me. Five days is too yeah. much convention for me. By Sunday, I was fried. I don't remember a single thing I did on Sunday. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, I went to the convention I, at like 1 p.m. I did like three things. and I, don't I totally agree with you on that. Um, I will say compared to last year, at the very least, they made good use of their five days because last yeah. year Wednesday like a total kind of pointless day to me. So this to me was the best convention, best STLV I've been to. I think by mm -hmm. far most fun. I think a good portion of why I enjoyed it so much is that I left on Sunday because even though it's like a bummer to you miss saying goodbye to everybody and all that. Boy, that following Monday in years past, I have hated those days. They just drag on. I'm like, can I please just get to the airport already and be on a plane and go home? Like, I just want to be home. It's I love true, all guys. You guys. It's well, true. Yeah, and no. it's like depressing. There's like, because everyone leaves at different times. So it's not like you're really getting a lot of like friendship, social time on that Monday. And it's like all of a sudden you're aware of the cigarette smoke and the noise in the casino and you're just like, I want to be away from it. And so I would suggest to people who are like over it, think about leaving on Sunday, like mid midday Sunday. You miss the weird letdown of like the convention space still being there, but the convention experience not being there anymore. Like I actually feel like the the come down was much smoother by sort of leaving right before they start taking everything down, and right before everyone realizes that like being a trekkie is now something we have to not just talk about constantly to everybody. <laughs> um, I, I would recommend that. Um, I don't know. I found that to be kind of helpful because I agree it's too long. <laughs> I disagree. No, I uh, listen. I. I was there Monday to Monday. Ooh. We left ungodly early Monday morning, which I'm yeah. never doing again. Never do that again. Hmm. Never, never doing again. But um, I agree that the use of time this year was much better. I'm so glad that we had stuff to do on Wednesday instead of it being, you know, starting at two o'clock and not nothing going on. But I could be there for a month, not doing Star Trek things, but just being with Star Trek people. Uh, I, one of the reasons that this was the best year that I've ever had was because I got to connect with a lot more people and spend some the quality time with people that are important to me. And that, that has helped with this post-con depression stuff. Uh, I feel like I need a solid month in order to sit down and, and have that quality time and one-on-one -on -one conversations with everyone, because every year, especially with the podcast, um, and our Facebook group, my Trek family grows and grows. And 
yes, I do. I do make it a priority to spend time with people like you guys because we're all very close. Um, you know, within this giant world of Trek, we have, you know, like our core little groups of people who are our best, best of best friends. And we only see each other once a year. And so, uh, we, we tend to spend more time with those people than others, but I wind up being, you know, missing that I didn't get to spend time with everyone else too. And even though I did get to spend more quality time with, with more people, it, it still wasn't enough for me. Um, yeah. so I don't know, maybe I'm the odd one out, but no, you're not. I, I'll, I'll actually piggyback on that. Cause I was also there Monday to Monday and, you know, some of, I think my, my biggest takeaway from this year, and I, I it's weird because I, I have, I think I have different takeaways almost from every year. I learn new things this year. I, I think the community this year to me was the biggest highlight. I mean, so many people came up to us and gave us so much positive feedback on the podcast and the Facebook group. And they were so appreciative and thankful for everything. And I feel like I just got to meet so many more of our Facebook group members and our listeners this year. And I was just so grateful um, to hear all of that positive, positive feedback. And, you know, the, the people's reaction to the badges that we had done so much positive feedback from those too. And just love to see people's smiling faces when they were wearing them and, and, and just the generosity of people. I think I've I've probably said this, and I know I've said this to a couple of people who listen to the show. I, I know I've said this out there, and I, I apologize for repeating myself, but something that I believe for a really long time is that I think one of the most precious gifts that you can give to someone else is the gift of your time. And, you know, it's something that we only have a finite amount of, and we don't know how much of it we really even have. And when someone chooses to spend some of that time on me or to give some of that time on me, it it's really very meaningful to me. So, I mean, there were some people that I just met this year who, you know, took time out of their vacations, you know, to help me out, um, you know, with my, with my Santa Gorn cosplay. Um, and Heather too, Heather helped me out too with that. And, and, you know, Barry and Haley and Heather all took out hours out of their vacation time to, to just help me do something to bring joy to other people. And that was really what, stood out to me the most. And I was just really incredibly generous uh, from everybody. I was incredibly happy with it. And I, I really appreciate all the time that everybody spent helping me out. We have such a great community out there. And I think that really yeah. is something that I can't stress enough as a takeaway from this con. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I echo all of that. And I'm going to use that as a segue because we're, we're, uh, we're talking a lot and I yeah. want to make sure that we talk about a couple more things. Sure. Um, but so yeah, Santa Gorn and Santa Gorn's elf. <laughs> I that was so much fun. I'm glad that I decided to be an elf. Uh, we didn't elf. make it. <laughs> we didn't make it around the hall. That was on Saturday, uh, and it was pretty pretty crowded on Saturday. Brutal, yeah. So we got down there, and for those who have never been in a Santa Gorn costume, um, not only is it extremely hot. Uh, you know, Jeff can't see well, so it's difficult to walk around and avoid children and wheelchairs and everything. Um, people just bumping in props, walking on top of me. <laughs> uh, it's it's tough. 
So, yeah, we made it down there. I think we were down for maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. We did the rounds and took a lot of pictures. And uh, there's one picture especially that we've shared where we had a little girl come up. It was and so cute. It was just like the most adorable thing in the world. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite pictures ever now. But, um, yeah, I appreciate also people that help Jeff because it's I, I couldn't do it every day. And it's pretty much impossible for him to do on his own. So I appreciate that help for him as well. Um, I think we should talk about cosplay a little bit and with community and cosplay going on. Um, I just, I want to mention that, uh, so on Saturday, our friends, Bill and Dan over at Trek geeks, uh, did, uh, scans for pause. So yeah. they were raising money for the Nevada SBCA. Um, they had been doing it for months up until the convention and even as this podcast goes live, uh, the the GoFundMe will still be up. So if you just uh, Google Trek Geeks uh, Nevada SBCA, uh, the GoFundMe will pop up and you can still donate. They have raised at this point almost, I think, $2,400. So this turned out to be a really amazing event because it wasn't just Trek Geeks. Pretty much every podcast out there started offering to match uh, their their selfie challenge. So Saturday morning, they were walking around in the scans and anyone who came up and got a selfie and then posted on social media and tagged Trek Geeks and Nevada SPCA and uh, Scans for Paws, uh, Bill and Dan donated a dollar. And so pretty much everyone, like Mission Log, uh, GNT Show, Trek News, and I know I'm missing like five other different podcasts. I think Trek FM, uh, pretty much everyone out there matched uh, what their donations were. And so we got in on the fun and added um, added Trek Geeks to our, our STLV bingo challenge. Yeah. So huge thanks to everyone that not only participated in the bingo challenge, but who donated not just a dollar, but more than a dollar. Yes. Um, we were so excited that we helped raise, I think, around $70 um, just with those donations. And then <clears throat> we took some of the money from our the sale of the badges and donated that to match. I think we, we wound up in total with our donation and everything from our listeners who played the bingo. It was around $200. Yep. Uh, so... It was so much fun. I dressed up as a space puppy. Don't ask me. I it wasn't it wasn't the Spox dog. I was just some random space dog. But it was so much fun walking around with them, um, seeing all the the people out to support that cause. We're so happy to participate. And I think next year uh, we're all going to try to team up and do an even bigger charity challenge. So we'll keep everyone updated on that. But it was just another another really great show of community across the board. And the fact that so many other podcasts and podcasters, uh, John champion, who I did not know would be in a scant was also in a scant. <laughs> so we had three guys in scants. Uh, and I guess there, there could have been more if they had sent out the call, but it was, it was <laughs> the, really cool. The scant signal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The scant <laughs> signal. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was a really great thing. Um, but we had some pretty cool cosplay within our group. Uh, Adam, I think you had kind of an obscure cosplay this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, as everyone knows, it has been a long road getting from there to here. And 
<laughs> there are certain characters in the Star Trek canon who receive more love than others. And I, much like our dear friend Heather Barker, have an affinity for the runts of the litter <laughs> and want to give light to those who don't normally get a spotlight. So I was trying to think of something that would be fun and easy. And I thought, what? who haven't I seen at the convention? And the, the short answer is chef from enterprise so <laughs> yeah. i was i was chef from enterprise and as we all well know you don't really see chef's face because i don't count these are the voyages the finale of the show where you see Riker as chef but right. you do see him from the waist down in an episode called the catwalk so i got a chef's uniform chef's hat stuffed catfish and i wore a mask obscuring my face so i was chef and some people got it some people did not but it was pretty great. I have to say, Adam, great. if I hadn't known that you were chef from Enterprise, I don't think I would have gotten it. I mean, I would have known <laughs> you were a chef, obviously, but the joke, which is a very good one, of that, like, his identity, you never find it out. I, I don't think I would have put those together. It was a little cerebral. Uh, it's fair, but uh, I, I, I had fun, and the people who got it definitely had fun, too. Yeah, that was a pretty great one. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have a great fun. picture with you. <laughs> that's right maybe next yeah. year i'll do drag again so we'll see yes yeah you better you better for you claire do you want to f- talk about your cost oh oh for me okay well then i might have to match you well yeah because, finally yeah my blonde sister my soul sister. okay we'll do it we'll do it's it happening. what we'll if it. adam right. what if you're what if you're loaxana troy and then heather you're some version of deanna troy so you know one of her many costumes I like it. I would be my only rebuttal is like Loxana is like the most obvious drag character you could. I know. That's kind of why I want to see it. You're right, though. It's, it's maybe too obvious, but I just let's, think... let's workshop this. Let's throw it out to the group. Who is your favorite character you want to see me do at STLV? Hit me up. <laughs> Claire, did you do you want to talk um, about your awesome jacket? Sure. There's not. I mean, OK, so. I didn't think I was going to make anything new this year. And then like two weeks before the convention, I had been reading the Star Trek Starfleet Corps of Engineers book series, which if you're looking for a foothold into the Star Trek novel universe uh, and you want something that feels like basically a new Star Trek TV series, try them out. They're short stories. There's like 65 different short stories. They all feel like an episode. They're pretty fun. Okay. Um, anyway, so it follows the Starfleet Corps of Engineers. And so I was like, well, wouldn't they have their own sort of work uniform that maybe isn't the same as the duty uniforms that we've all seen on TV? Um, or those, I know, or those like (laughs) mustard smock uniforms. They need like something sort of in between. So basically I just made up a Star Trek uniform and, um, made this jacket and I ended up really liking the jacket and I'm like, really toying with the idea of wearing it to work (laughs) even though it's got like a big star trek patch on the arm anyway you should it looks great yeah i liked it it awesome yeah it looks good it really did yeah my boss is on vacation right now so i feel like if i'm gonna wear it to work this is the time to do it i don't know why i just feel like i can't do it in front of her you Um, gotta do it (laughs) okay maybe i will do it and tweet about it so we all can see i think that uh 
because uh, Ian doesn't really do cosplay, right, Ian? Yet. He just cos yet. Ooh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> I like the sound of that. All right. Uh, I think that our group, you know, has a has a pretty good range of showing what you can bring to STLV for cosplay. You know, it can be something obscure. It can be Santa Gorn. Which, by the way, speaking of Gorn, this there was the some the pretty... <laughs> It was I the year was of the Gorn. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't mention the Easter. Okay, look, I ha- to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, you know, Santa Gorn was the first. I think it's complimentary that Santa Gorn has inspired other Gorn, other, other holiday Gorn. I agree. I was taking it as an homage the first day. I didn't do Santa Gorn on Wednesday, but Easter Gorn did come out on Wednesday. And I had people tweeting at me immediately, sending me pictures. I didn't actually see him that day. Uh, but I think he actually wound up in a video, some sort of a newsreel video yep. that I saw yep. on the Facebook. Sci-fi. And I must say that, um, you know, whoever you are, he says he's not part of our group. I did actually ask him. He said he's not part of the Facebook group. But if you do listen to the show, immersion is everything. Don't unmask yourself. <laughs> In front of people, <laughs> leave your mask Oops. on. Leave the mystery intact, even if they know yeah, who you no. are. You're, ta- you're, you're talking to Disney people here, man. You never see Mickey Mouse take off his head at Disney World. It just I go happen. full Disney with my Santagorn, and you guys who've helped me can attest. I do not take the mask off until I get back into my room. No, no, or we talk. got yelled at. We got yelled, we got yelled at, at walking down to the convention hall that you can't have on a mask until you get to the convention hall. The first time and I ever heard And we're just like, that. yeah, whatever, okay. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, what about Desiree... people who are in prosthetic makeup? Like, know, right? what do they have to not yeah, right? apply it until they get there? Yeah, I guess they just get yelled at too. I, you know, sorry, Rio staff, but I just don't take any of them personally, you know, or seriously. I guess is the word I'm going for there. But yeah, lots of fun, Gorn. Uh, Desiree uh, wowed us all. I had no idea that it was her yeah, uh, as her beauty, beauty queen, Gorn. She looked amazing. And uh, so who knows how many Gorn we will see next year. Yeah, hopefully I've started a trend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that we will see Santa Gorn again. Yeah, more Uh, than likely. And Santa Gorn's elf. And Santa Gorn's elf may have Vulcaneers next year. I, I was extremely impressed with Lisa and Tim's application of ears. Many of our friends got them done. And, uh, so I might look into doing that next year because they were pretty amazing. But so one last thing I wanted to talk about. Hold on. Um, hey, Art, before we get off Cosby, can I throw out one real yeah. quick shout out? I got to say, I know he was doubting himself, but John Krikori and you knocked it out of the park. Oh, man. With yeah. your cosplay. That was so creative. And your makeup on your head was so awesome. So Perfect. hats off to you, John Krikori and uh, contributor to the show. Everybody knows who he is, but I, I thought he I thought he really did a great, great job. Yeah. Lots of good pictures of him that we got around. I think that uh I think everybody would agree. Yes. It was it was a it was a kind of a takeoff on let that be your last battlefield. Um, yeah. yeah, he was a low Kai supporter. So fantastic stuff. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to derail you. No, no problem. No problem. I that was a good mention. And uh second shout out, thanks for the cupcakes, John. Oh god, yeah. Thanks so much, John. Which winds up being a good segue because the last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, were some of the events that we went to because we all kind of went to different events. And then we had some smaller events going on that I wanted to mention. So I'm going to start with those. Um, So 
I tried really hard to help facilitate a lot of events and meetups uh, within our group this year. And some of them worked out, some of them didn't. But I was really thrilled with the turnout on Wednesday night for uh, so we had Jesse's singles and newbies events, which was like solo travelers mm-hmm. and newbies. And that kind of coincided with an event that Mickey wanted me to set up, which was our, the singles event. Uh, and I know that it got confusing and like, we tried to have name tags. Unfortunately, you know, we all get to the Rio and at that point there was no masquerade yet. Uh, those who did not attend, we had masquerade drama masquerade was closed. We didn't think it was going to open. It did wind up opening, but, uh, we were really scrambling to find places to have these events. And unfortunately the Rio just doesn't have a lot of accommodations for stuff like this. So we did have overlap, um, with those two events, but such a great turnout at Ibar that night. And I that I was just super thrilled because again, uh, just that sense of community and having everyone there was was really phenomenal. Of our unofficial events that worked out really well, I have to give props to our craft swap. Yeah, the crafts. Yeah, the craft swap started off as just an an idea, uh, a tiny movement, and we wound up changing it from having a one day event to pretty much a five day event, which I think we'll do again next year. But Holy cow guys, uh, that just blew me away because not only, not only were you guys, you know, making really awesome things to give away for free, but y'all were like putting your names on it and your email and your website. And that's such a great, great idea. Uh, so thank you everyone who participated. Thank you for keeping that alive on the days that I could not be there. Uh, I'm just, I'm so proud and touched and excited. And we had people asking why it wasn't on the schedule. So can you tell I'm just really pumped about (laughs) it's just such, such an awesome thing. Um, so thank you to everybody. We will definitely be doing the craft swap again and, uh, I plan to keep it an unofficial thing, but if we if we have the interest, I can reach out to Creation and see what will happen there. Um, but so there were two parties that we got split up and went to. Uh, I I think I know that you went to the fan sets party, Jeff. Um, yeah. Did Ian? Did you go? Like who here yeah, went yeah. to that? Yeah, me too. I, I went to the fan sets. I think I drove with you, Jeff. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you drove over with me. Yeah, that that party was absolutely amazing i just i was blown away by i and i i'm so grateful that all the people that showed up for it showed up for it because they're definitely going to be able to get the bigger space for next year's party because i know that they were told that they could have the place that they had um and depending on the crowd size that would judge what they were going to get for next year over at caesars and they packed that place yeah Yeah. people had a great great time and bill and dan did a great job emceeing that party yeah, leave it fun. to the yeah, leave it to the Trek geeks to get such an amazing turnout for an event well off site from the Rio. Nicely done, fellas. Nicely done fan sets too. They had a great showing as well this year. Amazing merchandise and a, I think I was surprised to hear that last year was their first convention ever and they've certainly yeah. blown up. So a huge year for fan sets, huge year for Trek geeks. Congrats to both uh to both yeah, groups for a great yeah. event. 
and and they're so generous. The fans says people are they gave away so yeah. much stuff. I mean, at that party alone, they must have, they had a huge box of pins. They just gave away everything. So so kind and so generous and and such great. I'm so glad that that uh, they've been on the show and they're coming back on the show soon. We can talk more about it with them then. Yeah, I think we have the surprise set up uh, that we'll tell everyone about down yes. the road for our group. But yeah, I just have to say congratulations to both Trek Geeks and Fansets. I was listening to the Trek Geeks STLV recap today with our buddy Drosen. And uh, <laughs> they had Lou on, and I I I seriously got choked up because. You know, not only in, and I'm going to get choked up again. Oh man. Okay. Not only am I so proud of Bill and Dan for all that they've accomplished um, with their podcast and, and putting on this event, but uh, to hear Lou talk about, you know, how much they value the Star Trek community and, and the fact that, you know, our support, the support from, from us as fans is what has helped get fan sets to where they are. You know, they were able to take the numbers from their sales at Star Trek conventions and and online and then prove that you know they've got what it takes and they are just skyrocketing like they're in target now with their harry potter yep. pins um they've got exclusive pens they've got exclusive pens for star trek discovery they've got they've had exclusive pens for san diego comic-con like pretty much all the big conventions uh it's just it's so crazy awesome and uh all the can I just say, <laughs> while I was on the bus yesterday, riding the bus back home from work, some guy was like, hey, and started asking me about my fan sets pins that I have on my purse. Nice. So there. Yep. Mm. yep, yep. Yeah, it's a pin revolution. Uh, we are happy to help support that. And, uh, you know, we're excited to see where fan sets goes and happy to help support them. Um, so I, I hate to say this in... I wish I could have split myself in two. Uh, I, I didn't go to the fan sets party because I had bought a ticket to the gays in space party. Uh, you just need to figure out, like get a, get a transporter accident going. Seriously. You know? I seriously need to. Um, this was like the biggest struggle for Friday night was that there was so much going on. And, you know, I hope everyone out there understands that it, it wasn't, created that way like they they weren't trying to say oh you have to pick one it was just that's how circumstances played out and unfortunately there were a lot of conflicts that night between the panel fansets party gays in space party uh karaoke there was just a lot to go to um what i really loved about gays in space was they were uh so kind to provide transportation so i was able to walk right out get on a bus go over to flare nightclub walk in show my ticket and uh, start dancing immediately. A lot of the the celebrity guests were there. So Danal Visitor is a big supporter. Um, they presented J.G. Hertzler with a rainbow batleth. Um, who else was there? Robbie Duncan McNeil, um, John Billingsley. I think Bob Cardo was there. I have a picture of the three of them singing together, Aaron Eisenberg. So lots of people there. Um, they were there from like 6.30 to 10 or 10.30, and so they'd have like dancing and then they'd stop and have one of the guests come out and speak. So it was a lot of fun. And I've wanted to go dancing at STLV for years and haven't gotten to since, gosh, I think 2012 when they used to have the dance party at that Crown Room Club. So uh, phenomenal events. Thanks to Dan Devey for his help and uh, 
you know, we'll see you again next year. We were glad to get the word out and we'll definitely uh, do the same for 2018. So I spent that Friday sitting in somebody's hotel room watching Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Another perfect way to spend your Friday night. Uh, (laughs) I think that, you know, we try to tell everyone if, if you got this set up, one of the most relaxing things that you can do is bring your laptop, bring your Star Trek, order some pizza, sit down with your friends and watch Trek all night long. Yes. Yes. It's always a good solution. Yeah, especially when the episode is masks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I have to. I really have to thank you, Adam, because we would not have watched that episode if not for you and your perverse love of it. And I don't hate it, but it's definitely not an episode that I get excited about watching. But it's I epic. It's out. the best. It is. You know what? It's the best episode to watch with a group of friends. It's not a great episode for me anyway to watch by myself because it's just like there's no one around to riff with riff against or riff off of about it but with a group of people it's actually pretty fun yeah, yeah i had a blast i'm i'm sad that i missed it but so much to do so little time uh i think that both jeff and i want to thank everyone for coming over to, for coming over to ibar for our tricorder transmissions party Absolutely. Uh, there was a lot going on Thursday. There was karaoke and, and all kinds of stuff. So we really appreciate everyone um, who came over and hung out. And uh, a couple people got to win some pretty cool stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I Yeah, the turnout was so great. And it was so nice to see so many people coming in uh, through the course of the night. I know some of you, like Heather said, stayed at karaoke for a while and then made a special trip over. And uh, yeah, we gave away a couple of really cool prizes out there. We had some of the Fansets guys donated a Discovery pin for us to give away. And we had uh, a mug and a bag. And everybody seemed really, really, really happy with the pins and everything else. And John Kokorian, of course, with the, the those awesome Trek cupcakes were a big hit. Everybody was taking pictures yeah. of them. So I'm surprised we haven't seen more pictures of those cupcakes pop up in the Facebook group so far. But um, they were really, really awesome and really well done so it was a lot of fun i had a great time i think uh, we'll have to do it again next year and figure out something we might make it a little more intimate again next year uh i think we missed missed that aspect but we were glad that uh being at ibar was a nice open place to have pretty much everyone join so yeah so thanks everyone there and to everyone that played stlv bingo challenge uh please give us your feedback this was very kind of spur of the moment, last minute thing that we put together. And we've had a lot of people ask for us to bring it back. But uh, we also heard that it was difficult to participate with everything else going on. Yeah. So I think at this point, we're probably not going to bring it back unless people really, really want it. Yeah. So definitely reach out and let us know. Yeah, if we do bring it back, we'll probably restructure it some. Yeah, I think that we learned learned some lessons this year uh, on on doing these things, which it's it's good, and we hope that everyone understands that you know we're learning, we're not professionals. Uh, we we did these things out of the the kindness of our hearts because we love everyone, and we wanted you to have you know, a, a fun game to play and a fun way to win things. And, and we wanted to fulfill a need with the name badges. Like Jeff said, it was really awesome to see so many people wearing the name badges 
We raised a lot of money, some of which went to the Nevada SPCA, and we've not yet announced it in the Facebook group, but oh, I'm just going to go ahead. It? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let everyone know um, that the rest of that money, which was about $400, yep. is being donated on behalf of Leonard Nimoy to essentially his pulmonary doctor's research team at UCLA. Uh, that money goes towards COPD research. So we had mentioned it and we should have mentioned it. You know, one of the most phenomenal things that, that we saw at STLV was remembering Leonard Nimoy, um, the documentary by Julian David. And uh, that I don't think I can talk about that right now without crying. <laughs> so I'm just going to say that when it comes out in November, right? Yes. It's, it's going to be released um, on PBS and then Blu-ray and everywhere else. Just go watch it make a point to sit down it's it's a lot of really wonderful stuff about Leonard Nimoy about the Nimoy family it's I feel like it's a privilege that that they shared that with us I agree Um, yeah I was I was really lucky to right after watching that get to talk to Julie Nimoy um at the LLAP shop booth about that and I I I was happy that I got a chance to thank her for putting something so personal and private out there for Mm -hmm. all of us to share in um, because I did not have to do that. And it was extremely heartfelt, the the documentary and it, it was really private and personal, but in a good way, not like an exploitative kind of way or an uncomfortable way. I never at no point while watching it, did I think, I don't think I, some random stranger should be watching this. It wasn't that kind of private. It was a warm, kind of private. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, yeah. uh, so I was really happy to be able to thank her for it. And, um, if anyone out there has already seen for the love of Spock and thinks, well, do we really need two documentaries about Leonard Nimoy's life? <laughs> this is a really good companion piece to for the love of Spock. And I felt like it, both of them covered maybe the same topic, but in very different ways. And it, they don't feel repetitive or, um, they don't, they, they're, they both seem very necessary. Yeah. It's uh, the entire family participated in this documentary, which is a big part of what makes it special. So it's, it's hearing from everyone. Um, and you know, a big part of it is, uh, sharing information about COPD, which is, yeah. is not a well-known disease, even though it kills a lot of people. And I know that, Leonard Nimoy would be extremely proud and I'm going to cry. So, uh, <laughs> it was, you know, I have, I, I lost an uncle to COPD, so it touches me personally. Um, our friend, our, our friend Bill over at Trekkies just recently lost his mom. So it's something that's resonates with me on a very deep level. And I think that they just did a phenomenal job, um, educating about COPD along with sharing a very personal story about his life and his death. Completely agree. I I was I couldn't keep my eyes dry for about the last half of the movie. Oh gosh, it yeah, was so no. emotional and heartfelt and wonderful, and especially after hearing Danny tell us her story uh, on one of our previous uh, Shore Leaves, and then hearing some of that same stuff in the documentary was just really really touching. Yeah, once they started bringing in the family members, that's yeah. when I pretty much lost 
lost it and cried the rest of the way. Um, we're just, we're extremely grateful for our friendship with the Nimoy family. We are extremely proud of Julian David for the documentary and for Danny and her success, um, at the convention along with everyone else. Um, we're, we're so proud of Mickey fan sets. Uh, Dr. Trek was on the move this year, so we didn't get to see a ton of Larry, but uh, great job with the landing party. It's always a highlight of STOV. And yeah, I think that I think that we've just about covered everything we have to cover. I know there's a lot more that can be said about our experiences, but I, I, I will follow Claire in saying that this was my best STOV. Uh, it was my ninth and my best. And I feel extremely blessed to come home with with a heart full of love. Um, it's just mm-hmm. we have an amazing community of people. And whether I saw someone in a hallway for five seconds, it doesn't matter. I that I still know that connection. Like I that connection is valuable to me. So if I didn't get to sit down and spend time with someone, even though I really, really want to, I'm still grateful that I got to see your faces. I wish I could list every single person that I met from the group, especially those of you who I, I talked to multiple times and uh, got so many of you out there. And it, it was really, really, really heartwarming to hear everything you guys had to say. I know I said that before, but I felt so much more a part of the community this year than I have in any years past. And I'm really, really grateful to be part of this group, uh, the an administrator of the Facebook group, along with Heather and know you all and i look forward to meeting all of the people that i didn't meet this year next year so all right so all right so i guess that that brings us to the end of of the 29th episode of surely i'm sure we're going to do some more wrap up i think we've got more stuff to talk about down the road but that'll be it for this episode so let's see claire a little where can people find you online i am on twitter my handle is isolinear chick that's c-h-i-c-k not c-h-i-p and that's it uh, Adam Drosen, where can people find you? You can find me at Adam Drosen, D-R-O-S-I-N. You can't spell Drosen without sin. Oh, boy. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. And you can find me in the here and now giving much thanks and congratulations to our hosts, Heather and Jeff, for putting out an amazing run of content leading up to STLB. And uh, I think you guys really knocked it out of the park. And I can see firsthand at the convention how much the show really means to everybody. So everybody listening, give, give, give a shout out to Heather and Jeff in the comments because they, they really nailed it leading up to and during and after the convention, guys. Thanks, Adam. That is so true. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I got to agree. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Ian Adams, where can people find you? Uh, you can't because I'm a ninja. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ian128K as in Kilo. That's that's basically it. I'm on Facebook, but I'm not really on Facebook. <laughs> All right. Heather Barker? <laughs> that's me. Uh, so I'm LLA Posper on Twitter and then I am one of the three administrators of the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Facebook group. Uh, the other one is you. And then just a quick shout out to Jesse because he deserves a mention. He is a huge help, uh, not only to our community, but to uh, our our convention experience. Right. He, a little quick aside here, helped us figure out with the badges what to do. Because uh, yes. we had some issues getting those to everyone, and just a heads up, we will be mailing them all next year. <laughs> yes, next year—that's our uh, big takeaway. Everything's getting mailed. <laughs> yeah, and, we're uh, going to be sh- mailing. 
Sorry, shout out to Jesse's amazing uh, Uhura Orion cosplay. Oh, so, Very cool. So, yeah. Yes. So yes, good. that is the one. The one picture of the three of us together is Santa Gorn, Santa Gorn's elf, and then Jesse is Uhura. Uh, but yeah, so you can find me there. Um, I, I only add people that I've met on Facebook. So if we did meet at the convention, send me a note before you add me. Um, otherwise, I'll, I'll meet you next year. And I am Warp Factor Jeff, and you can find us all at shorelevepodcast.com and also to the tricordertransmissions.com. We are also shoreleave, at shoreleave, on Twitter. If you want to hook up with us on social media, we'd love to hear back from you. And thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next episode of Shoreleave. Hi there, thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at trekgeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5yearmission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's trekgeeks.com and 5yearmission.net. Check them out today.